What's going on and welcome back to Anybody and Everybody. I'm your host Herm and today, well, this is an episode I've been waiting for for a long time. He's the head coach at Cape Fear High School down in North Carolina. He is truly one of the most genuine human beings I've ever had the opportunity to sit down with. He tells it to you straight and he always does it with the best intention in his heart and let me tell you, this, this conversation was something special, and I am so ecstatic that I finally get to share it with you guys. So without further ado, here it is, Coach Eric Finley. Just jump into your background first. Do you right. Did you grow up playing lacrosse? Or? No. No. So what did what sports did you play coming uh, up? I started off mainly soccer, football, basketball. Basketball yeah. was my main love. Um, I was better probably at soccer early. Played a little bit of travel. You know, it wasn't as big back then. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like early 80s. So we really didn't have too much travel leagues like they do today. So I played soccer earlier and then... Mainly towards middle school, I really fell in love with basketball. Yeah. So I never played lacrosse. The only thing I ever knew growing up in Ohio was, uh, I think it was Culver or one of the colleges that was in Ohio. I I seen their helmet one time. I was like, what is that? And my friend <laughs> told me, oh, that's for lacrosse. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's the last, I, that's all I ever heard of it until a couple years ago. Not a second thought. Like, no. oh, maybe I would. You no, know, you- not at all. So you're obviously you have two kids still mm-hmm. in the high school system. You're traveling a lot. Do you do you guys have a lot of option like options for travel around here? Is um, we part? don't have too much around here, but um, we have it in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And my youngest son now plays for the Reapers. That's out of Pinecrest, mm-hmm. like Pinecrest High School, Southern Pines. Um, so it's starting to grow. You can get travel down in Wilmington. You can do it up in Raleigh. It's huge in Charlotte. Uh, Team twenty four seven is. They're sick, they're, right? They're very yeah. They're they one a of the, big, uh, They're a big media. travel organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had to go when my son started getting serious. My oldest started getting serious with travel. We had to drive up to Apex, so it's about an hour away. But we were doing that like four nights a week. Oh yeah, that's yeah. when you really start to feel it. I um, yeah. The only way I can really relate to that is I, when I played hockey. I was traveling an hour or so probably the same amount of times a week just because i mean where i'm from you've probably heard it on other podcasts is like there's no hockey there's no lacrosse it's all baseball football basketball and yeah. it's just your traditional high school setup it's like you're living in 1984 but once you got out of that area you had great hockey and lacrosse and baseball and such so you come down to north carolina how how long is that like- uh i got here <laughs> i actually flew into north carolina because i was in the uh, army Right. And I flew into North Carolina the night OJ went on his chase. No way. Yes. So, so are you with like your military buds watching that? No, the- I was actually, I was married before. So okay. I, was, I was with my spouse at the time. We were since divorced. And uh, we got in and got to the hotel and turned on the TV. And of course, it's the chase. So um, it was on like, every channel. Right? It was on every channel. So we couldn't watch anything else, so we just sat there and watched that. So it was in '94 when I got to North Carolina. So this is this is these are the days before like Twitter. So like everybody's yeah, yes. watching yes. the OJ chase rather than tweeting about it. Which, yep. I mean, I can only imagine what your feeling was at the time, OJ. I mean, that was a crazy day. I watched there was like a documentary about it. It was like also the opening day of the Olympics. It was someone died or something. It was crazy. But so you get to North Carolina, and um, are you still in the military at the time? 
Yes. So, yeah. Okay, so how many years were you in the military? And uh, I did thank you for years. your service, of course. Oh, I appreciate it. It was my privilege. I came, I, w- I served in the 82nd. I was in Panama before that. Oh, like um, uh, in the canal? Is yeah, right in the area. I was on uh, Fort Kobe. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, on Howard Air Force Base, which was pretty nice because it was like the old school army. Mm-hmm. So it was just one battalion on a single street. Um, and then we were surrounded by Air Force. So at least we could go and get some, you know, we could sneak into the Air Force chow hall and stuff and get some good food. They had better food than you oh, guys? Oh, much better. We were always, we, we hated the Air Force guys because they had it so good. Did they really? Oh, yeah. So, um, but I did that for a year, then they deactivated the unit down there, and then I came to the 82nd, and I was here till 99, then I PCS to Hawaii for a year, and then actually got a medical discharge. Okay. Yeah, so ended up getting hurt a few few times on jumps and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and um, they put me out in 2000. Okay, so, I mean, I my sister, she was a naval sea cadet, and she just actually got back from Hawaii last summer. She was out there doing some training or something, and it was gorgeous, she said. It, oh, it is gorgeous. It's a whole it, different world out there, right? It is. It's it almost is. like going to a different country, essentially. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You, pretty you do awesome. get the, the, the island fever is real, though. Is it like you yes. didn't want to leave? Yeah, well, no, the opposite. I was oh, ready you did to want go. to leave? Yes. I mean, you know that I love the mountains. Of course. So that's a different mountain, though. I, I'm tired from Panama and from Hawaii. I'm tired of the jungle. Mm-hmm. It's so hot and nasty and everything else. So I wanted to go to the mountains. You go there, it's hot. Um, and then the beach, I'm not a beach guy. Oh, yeah. So You, you um, either live or die with the beach there, yeah. I guess, right? And my wife loves going to Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really want to go up to Asheville or Boone or something like that. And we've done that like the last six years That's for our vacations. That's the best, right? I mean, getting yeah. into the mountains in Asheville. My parents are actually thinking about moving to Asheville. So we've been scouting it. And oh, it's gorgeous. Do, oh, isn't it? I mean, just having all of the national parks and having – I mountain bike personally. So it's like just having that opportunity would be so sick. But, okay, so North Carolina, you get here, and now you're a delivery man, right? Yeah, I work for the Postal Service. So I can connect with you here. Last year, I was, this is when I was first getting into this gig, and um, I was struggling to, like, make ends meet or whatever. I had to do anything I could, so I started loading trucks at UPS Ooh. at 3 in the morning. Yes. And, I mean, it's a different company, but, geez, man. They I work. Can, you, they work hard. You probably work your ass off, too. I mean, yep. Uh, yep. I, that's admirable for me, because waking up every day and just the stuff that you have to go through is ridiculous, but... I need I need to know a story. You have to have something where it's like this is the craziest shit that ever happened to me. Like you go to make a delivery or something and well, something crazy happens. You know, of course the uh, everybody you know makes jokes about the dogs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But I know I went to give the mail to a lady one time on my route and her dogs were out and I guess the guy before me on the route had he used to swing at the dogs and no stuff. No way. So I just went to hand her the mail. And I guess the dog thought I was swinging at her, so he bit me in the thigh. Oh, and um, I didn't even realize what had happened. And then I looked down, and I'm like, okay, I have to, uh, I got to go now, because I got to go get stitched up. So the dog had got me right in the thigh. Um, Did it get a big chunk of you? Like you were... uh, It just opened me up. So okay. he, he, he split me a little bit. And then, of course, when the swelling started, you know, it starts to split. Mm-hmm. So there's there's not a there's nothing like a comedian at every damn urgent care if you come in in your male uniform and you got a dog bite <laughs> everybody's a jokester oh i'm sure so um i got stitched up and everything that day and then you know the next day went back to work and stuff but i mean dog was just defending its owner so i totally i mean it's yeah. it's almost admirable at the same time it's just like 
well, shit, this happened and this yeah. sucks, you know, because, did, well, you probably didn't miss any days. You were just stitched up, right? Yeah, I just I just got stitched up. They, so like, it check you for rabies bad. and everything? Um, I had, a, I had... Or you had your tetanus or whatever? I think whatever. I had shots already, so mm-hmm. I didn't have to do it. So I was like, okay, I'm good. They, they did check the dog down the road, or, like, they had to come out and ask, you know, hey, where's the papers at and stuff, and the dog had his rabies shots. I think they had to check me for tetanus. I, yeah. I didn't even know they did that for dog bites, but I guess they do. They do everything, man. That it's well, it's one of the issues with the medical system. It's like they they physically they're technically have to or whatever, yeah. but it's like this dog that has its papers should be clean. So <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the way things operate. So I mean, let's get back to just the lacrosse thing All because right. I think that's what people are really here for. Your right. coach Eric Finley on Twitter. You're a big name. You are. You're I don't know about that. But. No, you really are. And this is the thing. And this is something that I recognized heavily over – it was at LaxCon weekend. It's like whether people follow you or you don't, if you have your name popping up on people's Twitters consistently, people are going to know who the hell you are. And you're one of these people. So we're giving – we're letting your story out here. But what is it that really like drew you to lacrosse Twitter outside of just like being a lacrosse coach and a lacrosse father – and just feeling the urge to interact because I think there's so many people who will get on Twitter and lacrosse Twitter specifically and just read it. They won't necessarily want to interact. Yeah. won't necessarily want to get their name out there. Um, I think I got, like I told you when, before we started, I started off on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for quite a while, but it was on under my other, my other mm-hmm. account and it was more Cleveland Browns and, um, gun rights. Mm-hmm. I was a big one on that. And oh, we're, gonna, we're gonna come back to that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and politics and stuff like that. And then I was like, when I started helping coaching out or helping coach and stuff like that, I was like, I want something that's just lacrosse that I can look at that I don't have all these other viewpoints coming across and I can just go look for what I want to look for. Mm-hmm. And then, so I made, uh, I made that one and I, I can't remember the time frame if I made it after I talked to the AD last year or if it was a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted one that was, because we don't have a Twitter for just Cape Fear High School, for the lacrosse for the team. lacrosse team? Yeah, we have it for some of the other stuff. So I just kind of made it there and started promoting for um, for the, the team and everything like that. And then it just kind of grew, especially with the announcement of the PLL and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. And I started following people and... And, you know, being a mailman, I listen to a million podcasts. So Mm -hmm. if I show you my phone, I mean, there's 30, 40 podcasts on there. And I listen to them religiously. And one thing we can connect on, we're both overcasters. Which is is, we're a a very small community that I take pride in. I love it. Me too. I don't understand why people don't. Because, I mean, it does, first of all, it's the only app that will actually give me a notification that there's a podcast uploaded. And then I can do the voice boost with the, like, speed it up just a Mm -hmm. tad, which just makes every podcast sound much better, including my own. And there's something beautiful about Overcast. I I like it. It just organizes it nice for me. I know I have to do certain ones like like Diggs Tape with Mm -hmm. um, his shack. The shack, yeah. The shack. I have to do that on Spotify, and I'm not going right. to lie, I hate Spotify. Really? I hate Spotify. The kids sent me a playlist on Spotify the other day, and I was like the the grandpa on The Simpsons yelling <laughs> at clouds. I was just like, I don't know what this is. Take your phone up there and put it, you know, hook it up and do the playlist, because I'm not doing it. Right. So, but, um, yeah, almost exclusively on Overcast. So, I listened to all those podcasts on there. Mm-hmm. So, it was, it was just, I was trying to learn... 
because like I came in blind. Um, my son, both my boys were pretty good baseball players. They Mm -hmm. were good little athletes, soccer, basketball, stuff like that. My oldest one has horrible ADHD. Mm -hmm. So he is, he hated baseball. So a friend of ours, um, my wife's best friend's husband played at, um, it's a college in West Virginia and I cannot for the life of me think they just reinstated, uh, Wheeling Jesuit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played lacrosse club at Wheeling Jesuit back in, like, the 90s. Okay. So he was like, hey, Tyler, that's my oldest. And he's like, um, he's like, hey, you want to throw in the yard with me? And Tyler's like, what is, you know, what is this? He's like, it's lacrosse, you know, see if you like it. And went out there, and he noticed that Tyler actually had a pretty good stick for just picking it up. Mm-hmm. So um, he started playing it and stuff like that. And then basically he dropped all anything else he was doing and he fell in love with the game. So, um, it's a very easy sport to fall in love with as long as you fall into the right teaching and coaching. And I think that's oftentimes, especially now that we're getting into this, these coaches or dads in particular see this glimmer of, okay, my kid's gonna be good at this. Mm -hmm. And they throw them right into the travel program. That's just far too much. And as long as you get in lacrosse and like, it's something that you love when you first start it, it's a beautiful thing that you can just fall in love with truly. And it's, it's truly a medicine game. Like I, I was actually teaching a kid how to shoot the other day because he's very in the film and really wants to learn more about like vlogging and stuff like that. And I was Mm -hmm. just telling him, teaching him how to do that. And then I started shooting, or so I did a crossbar challenge with him. And so um, he's like, how do I do this? And so I'm like teaching him how to shoot. And I'm like telling him the story. It's like the medicine game. It's a Native American game that's been around for thousands of years now. And he's like, I can see why this is relaxing. Like you let out this X amount of energy or whatever, every shot you take. And it feels great. And I think that's something that especially in like just growing is such a great thing. And so you're doing that now. Okay. And continue. I totally just cut you off. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um yeah, we, we did the rec thing. He started like in sixth grade, but I honestly don't really count the first two years because the mm-hmm. rec program here, um, they do a great job of trying to get it out there, but we don't have a lot at the time. We don't have a lot of really good coaches that, that can that can grow their skill level. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was his summer. It was the summer right after his eighth grade year. He asked me if he could go to the UNC camp. Okay. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll send it to him. I said, this is going to be make or break on him. Um, he went up there. First night he calls me. He's like, Dad, I am the absolute worst kid here. He said, I'm the last one picked. Everybody's so much better than me. Um, and in my head, I'm like, all right, this is going to go one of two ways. Either he's going to work mm-hmm. or he's going to quit and not worry about it. And by the time I picked him up from the UNC camp, he was like, he was hooked. He yeah. was he was done. He was like, I I all I want to do is play. I love it, you know. And he's he's not anything else. The only other thing in his life that he had that passion for is fishing. Mm-hmm. He loves fishing. But even now, that has kind, kind of gone of on the back right. burner. It's all lacrosse. Yeah. So um, that's when I started getting a little more serious with it and trying to learn it. Um, and I, and I was thinking about it the other day, too, with um, it's kind of weird. I'm sure some people are like, this guy's 46 years old, and he's on Twitter like he's, you know, a damn 14-year-old. And but isn't I was, that the beauty of Twitter? Exactly. <laughs> so, but I was thinking about it. My dog is having a breathing, breathing attack. 
Poor guy. Yeah. The reverse breeding or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, our dog does that too. There's times where you just hear it in the middle of the night and you're like, I hope he's all right, but I'm going back to bed. <laughs> First time he did that, we freaked out. We mm-hmm. thought something was wrong. So every I hear, like, when I listen to the pros talk on the podcasts and stuff like that, and they talk about when that first time that they were hooked mm-hmm. and they fell in love with the game in the middle school or even, you know, some of the older guys that didn't start until high school and stuff like that. Well, I th- realized that I didn't really know anything about the game and find it until I was in my 40s. So m- my Twitter like life that I do on Twitter is basically the equivalent of a 14 or 15-year-old kid just finding the game and falling in love with it. And that's why I'm so active with it, and that's why I'm so obsessed with it and stuff like that is because I haven't been beat down by... 20 years of being in the game or, you know, dealing with, I played, then I went to college, then I, you know, I got a real job and then I did that. It's, it's sort of like, this is all still new to me. And I mean, every year is different because like, this is my first year as the actual head coach. Mm -hmm. So it's like every year there's something different that I get to look forward to. And, and I'm watching my boys as they get better. And, you know, I'm learning more, although I, I'm still, no matter what conference I'm in, I'm still the worst coach X's nose. It oh, is, you're telling me. I, oh. for the longest time, and this is something I really battled, actually, while I was hosting Outside the Box, I would finish an episode all the time. I can talk box for days. That was fine. I didn't care about that. But when we'd be talking about the PLL and the field game, that I'm, I, I'll be the first to admit I know, I know very minimal X's and O's. I, I understand sports, all sports, even hockey. I played that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Is based on what I know what to do when I'm either on the ice or on the field. I can't watch something and be like, okay, this is why this happened. It's just not how I operate. But I would often finish an episode during the summer with outside the box and be like, dude, I am not qualified for this shit. <laughs> like, there are too many people listening to this episode and taking what I'm saying, like, seriously. And maybe it was correct. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm like, shit, like, I really got to educate myself a bit more on, like, so, like, there'd be weekends where I'd, like, go up to Joe Keegan or something. I'd be like, hey, could you just, like, tell me, like, what just happened out there or something along those lines. But, um, so you get into lacrosse and you're starting to, you're kind of a lax dad before mm-hmm. you're a lacrosse coach. And then you're two younger sons are coming up through the system and you can kind of start feeding into them. So they're coming up through lacrosse and I'm like trying to learn so I can help them too. Mm-hmm. Cause Tyler didn't have anybody. And around here, they're really, we had a club team that was the, um, it used to be the village lacrosse club. And we only had one high school that offered uh, high school lacrosse, but it wasn't the one that at Cape fear. Right. So um, he started trying to play that and, you know, and he would do travel um, first two travel teams he tried out for, he didn't make, but Scott Olive that runs the RDU program up in apex, love him to death. He actually gave Tyler his first chance. Both times he came on afterwards, like after the tryouts Mm -hmm. and was like, Hey, he didn't make this team, but you know, we would love to have him, you know, first time was a face-off guy. Second time, Hey, would he be interested in the B team? And Tyler fell in love so much with it. He didn't care what team he was on. He just wanted to play. Right. He just wanted to be on the field. So I, I credit Scott a lot with that because it, it could have got kind of ugly real quick that maybe he just wouldn't have had an avenue for him to follow to follow his passion right. if he wouldn't have been given that opportunity. 100%. So now, I mean, he's obviously going to college to play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's really figured it out. And it sounds like, I mean, all of your boys obviously have this will to just freaking get after it which is admirable to you because clearly you're doing something right there but 
you now are taking in this role of coach. Mm-hmm. You almost, Is it often hard? And this is something that I battle with because my father could never coach me. I would hate him. I would literally yeah. like murder him. And I love him to death. <laughs> he knows that. <laughs> um, and he feels the same way. He coached me one game in hockey and I was benched for the second and third period. <laughs> and you have to understand my dad is like this five foot eight nerdy dude who has never played sports in his life. So it's kind of funny. But so how often... Do you f- find it hard, at least, to kind of separate father and coach with the guys? Or I do, but a lot of times I treat the kids on the team like my kids, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the like overbearing, you know, I'm running them into the ground or anything. I do a lot of cutting up with the kids. Um, I joke with them. I make fun. Uh, my wife yells at me for that because she's like... <laughs> You're a 46 year old man. Why are you joking with the with the teenagers? Right. And I'm like, but we're having fun. And that's how you connect with kids these yeah. days anymore. I mean, so many kids aren't really good at taking order. Obviously, yeah. You have a military background. You have seen the worst of it. But so many of my generation, millennials and younger, we don't know what the hell to do when a coach is in our face. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things that it's kind of changing the coaching dynamic throughout, especially. Yes. I, I'm sure when you go to conferences, they talk about it or any kind of coaching clinic where yeah. you're doing something where it's like, yeah. maybe you're not in your kid's ass as much because especially too, because kids start to take that shit much more personal now than ever before. I mean, yes, they do. many kids that I grew up with personally, a coach would be in their ass. Wouldn't think about it 12 seconds later. I was the opposite. I coach was in my ass. I was <laughs> in tears after practice <laughs> because I, I'm just the emotional kid like that. But I mean, that's kind of one of the things that's changing generationally, right? Yeah. Especially as, as you start a program, I mean, you can only yeah. yell at these kids who are kind of just getting into lacrosse for the first time X amount of times before they're like, wow, I fucking hate this sport because coach Finley's in my ass today. Yeah. I try not to do that. And I know like, Tyler has, he's had some tough coaches through the years, and he was, he's always been really good about, he just looks at him and he's just like, yes, sir, mm-hmm. or yes, coach. I'm the only one that he likes to argue with. Oh, I understand yes. that. Yeah. So we had that happen this last Wednesday night at our game, and it got it got quite heated because it, it was an emotional night. We had a hard, hard game, um, physical game, um, and it kind of boiled over. But, like, I don't have that problem out of the other kids. For 99% of the time, they're just like, yes, coach, you know. And if if I can tell that they're maybe taking it personal or something like that, I'll, I'll kind of pull them to the side and say, listen, I'm just telling you this to try to help you. There's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. And I've made sure I've told the team before, especially trying to build a program, listen, this is the highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. I love all of you guys. I'm never personal with my criticisms or if I'm yelling at you, I'm just passionate about it. So I don't want you guys to think, well, Coach Finley's an asshole. Mm-hmm. I can be. I'm sure my kids will tell you that. But um, I, I'm love. just trying to grow. And I don't want to push kids off to where they're like, like you said, uh, I'm not playing lacrosse. That guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want them to, to the best day, best part of their day is when they come to lacrosse practice. And we get some good work in. They feel good about themselves. And the best compliment I can get is when you know Monday night after our first victory. You know the kids were so excited. No matter who they were, our managers are running running on the field to go congratulate the goalie. And I talked to the uh, the guy that runs the the team that we played the night before. I talked to him the next day, and he said, 
my kids had nothing but the highest praise for your players and how they treated us, even though it was a blowout. He said they, they treated them with respect and they, they were, you know, very nice and there was no animosity there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's what I care about more than anything. I want to prepare them for down the road. So I don't always set the best example. I do have uh, the military mouth. So yeah, you get after it a couple times. I, I though, tell right? the kids about the, the F-bombs on the field and stuff like that, but I tend to let them slip too. And yeah. I know that's a no-no. That can no get you in trouble coach. in high school, right? Yes. Yeah. I usually try to control it as much as I can, but heated moments on the sidelines, I tr- you know, it's it happens, human and, nature. But it's also you're the competitor in you. I mean, yeah. we all have this. Yep. I call it the beast. We all have the beast inside of us. And yeah. you have to let it out, and especially when you're competing. But you you mentioned you get the first win in program mm-hmm. history. That's obviously an amazing feeling. Yes. And you almost feel like a 14-year-old again. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's what this is about. And so what was kind of the energy going into the game? Do you guys have a feeling like, okay, we should be able to lock this one up? Or was it yeah we had um like i said before last year um i was actually running um i was assistant coach at cape fear for Mm -hmm. our first year and i was an assistant coach with the fayetteville all americans which was our club varsity team for fayetteville we had them from all over different high schools that didn't have lacrosse so we had played this team last year with the fayetteville team and actually had beat them last year too so we were pretty confident they're a newer team. They're gonna, they're actually gonna turn into a high school team next year and be in our conference. Okay. Um, but I know they had graduated most of their best players. Um, I scheduled them, and it was like, okay, this will be a good measuring stick. Let's see how it's gonna go. Because last year in our conference, we were put in one of the most competitive conferences in the in the state, mm-hmm. and we were obviously we were 0 14. Average margin of victory was like 17 goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it was brutal. So we scored 29 goals all of last year. And like our game on Monday, we had 21. Right. So it's like I wanted something for the kids to feel good about, to start to look forward. Uh, now that we're out of that conference, thank God, um, we'll actually be way more competitive this year. And, throughout the season. Yes, throughout the season. Right, which is important so, because, I mean, God forbid you start the season with – people that you should be playing Mm -hmm. and then you just jump into conference play and it's you're still in this crazy ass just like stud conference and so with with the growth of lacrosse throughout north carolina what's it like playing other schools that are also one two three years into starting their program kind of also growing and just seeing the kids who are picking up the game for sometimes the first time Mm -hmm. and getting after it i mean that's probably even if they're not on your team that's got to be just awesome to see it is it is and rewarding oh yeah definitely there's a lot like even on my team this year we went from having 25 last year to we ended up with 37 that came out um i couldn't get i couldn't get enough to where i could get more than 32 uniforms with Mm -hmm. the with the money and stuff like that but i had the kids they wanted to be managers and so i put them on as managers um I still have half the team is new players. Mm-hmm. So they didn't play last year. Um, and then we're playing these other teams that I'm talking to the coach, and it's the same thing. He's like, yeah, I got, you know, 20, 20 30, 40% of my team is new kids that have never picked up a stick. He's like, Wednesday night the coach was like, see that kid over there? He just got cut from baseball for mm-hmm. the high school. He's like, he's picking up a stick for the first time. And I was like, that's awesome. That's, that's what thing. I love to see. So – um anybody that is really good at lacrosse like and used to high level 
they come out to some of these games now, they're they're going to be like, this is super sloppy. Um, I've already I've already heard through somebody that um, my defense is all wrong. The uh, the players look like don't look like they know what they're doing on certain situations. And I'm like, absolutely. They That's, don't. <laughs> they don't. It's I, the truth. Two of my three starters on defense are brand new. They've never played before this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get into slide packages, you know, extensively or different defenses, different offenses, and stuff like that. When I'm just basically teaching them how to cradle, mm-hmm. how to how to throw line drills, yeah, the stuff most basic like that. Stuff step down. So, you know. um, yeah, it's I, I lean heavily on my captains and I lean heavily on my kids because they they've got the most experience on the team. Um, along with one of my other captains that's played uh, rec and my goalie that's played rec for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I lean heavily on my guys to help me out. Um, and I also got an awesome assistant coach, uh, Coach Liam. I'm not going to say his last name because I still will butcher it. But he was a starting goaltender at Methodist, which is okay, the yeah. D3 school here in town. I think we just played them. Or uh, you Randall did. Macon you just did. played them, yeah. Yeah. So he he was their starting goalie last year. So, oh, okay, yeah, great. So um, Coach Ned reached out to me and said that he had a guy that was interested in helping out, and I contacted Coach Liam. He's like, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. And he came in. He's made a world of difference. Our goalie had 17 saves the other night, and some of them were phenomenal. That's beautiful. So, And he's a junior. He's, he's a hard worker. And it's like it's made all the difference in the world to have somebody that knows what they're doing working with them instead of somebody like me just going – Try and cut Get down on the, the ball, <laughs> you know. Stop oh. hitting the side of the goal, you Hold know, stuff pipe. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it's uh, I had another guy contact me on Twitter that was interested in maybe helping out that's moving down to Fayetteville, and he helped coach football at Alderson Broadus mm-hmm. up in West Virginia, and he's looking to get back into lacrosse. He's got background and stuff like that, and I'm like, this is awesome. If we can grow the game in Cumberland County – Maybe we can actually start getting some funding, and I don't have to whore myself out on Twitter and social media right. to try to try to do fundraisers. Well, that's also one of the main reasons—not main reasons—I've wanted to make this trip for a while because you and I have been communicating on Twitter for a while now. But it's like if I come down here and I help you guys, if I put out a vlog that gets a few thousand views for you guys, if I do this, that, maybe your AD sees it or something, and he's like, "Wow, this program is legit. Let's yeah. let's do something for this man." Yep. And so that's also part of the hope of this. But I mean, growth around lacrosse in general is one of these things. And we got a really interesting tweet the other day from Bryce Queener, and I want to get your opinion on this, is that he tweets out something I thought was kind of crazy personally, um, that he was like, all things should be free in lacrosse, no matter what, nobody should have to pay. That's how you grow the game, which I disagree with. I think that sometimes compensation is very necessary, especially if you bring in a guy of high stature in lacrosse community mm-hmm. to help if you bring like Kyle Harrison down, you should yeah. pay him a few bucks. Like I don't think he's gonna ever gouge you, but no, at least no. cover him and make sure that he's comfortable. So I mean as a coach, what is you're obviously not making a million dollars a year to do this and far from it. So what is kind of your idea on growing the game one, but two, like this idea that like everyone should work for free. I thought that was absurd. Uh yeah, I did too. Um I seen him and uh Jules Henningberg going kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And yeah, Jules. And Jules is also like one of the most down to earth. Mm-hmm. Like he will tell you that he does plenty of stuff for free yeah. also, which is really the best part of this, but he will he'll be honest with you too. Oh yeah. Um unfortunately, it can't be free. This is this is not what it used to be when I was a kid to where you could just pick up stuff and go in the backyard and I mean you can still do that, but 
with the competition that's out there now and stuff like that, there's so much more that you need to do in certain instances, unless you're in a hotbed or something mm-hmm. like that. But like, I know personally at first I was like, I get paid very little for, by the school mm-hmm. for, to coach. And I told my wife, I said, I'm, I'm just going to put it right back into the program. And mm-hmm. I was like, don't you dare. And I was like, why not? And she said, you lose so many thousands of dollars from your work because you don't work overtime. You leave work early every day to get to practice for the kids. Um, you at least deserve something to show for your time. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't care about the money. It's Mm -hmm. I love doing this. And she's like, it's not that it's just time is money. And there's, you're losing, you're losing all this other, you know, money from your job and stuff like that. And, and it does get rough because like I said, we, we didn't have a lot of the stuff that the kids are using and stuff, especially earlier in the season was my personal stuff Mm -hmm. that I had bought or that I had left over from where we'd got stuff for Tyler or Colin or, you know, stuff like that. So it was like, it was more, um, symbolism Mm -hmm. like, Hey, just take the small amount that they're going to pay you. And, but you're giving all your time and, you know, all your effort and everything like that. And I don't want to, yeah, I just thought it was absurd too. I know, I know I'm kind of rambling on that, but there's, there, I know what he's getting at with some of the the the, the like the clubs and stuff they're doing and the pay right. to, pay to stay or pay to stay and all that stuff mm-hmm. at the tournaments no, totally. and stuff. But yeah, if you got Kyle Harrison or Jules coming down or somebody like that, I mean, those are professionals. They deserve to get paid. I I went a couple times. We've met um, the Beast and we've met um, Brendan Fowler a couple yeah. times. I paid I paid for their services because they give the best instruction. Right. So why why can you not give Greg Gunley $100 for two hours of his time he when he's traveling down? You. Right. Yeah, and he's got to stay somewhere. He's got to eat. He's got to do all of that. You know, Jax needs new Captain America outfits and right. stuff like that. <laughs> so um, I, I just, I, I don't I don't like that argument. that You know, as long as you're not price gouging and stuff like that, I right. understand it's going to cost some money. I, I think that one of my biggest gripes with it was well, obviously, I understand. He's also, I think, aiming towards like the idea of like this PLL Academy costing mm-hmm. a ton of money. The the PLL Academy is pretty expensive. Is it? Um, yeah, from oh, what I've researched, realize. I'm not gonna lie. But I think that if you can lower that price and still charge people enough to cover the fact that you're getting this training, it's incredibly important. And it's not like I mean, every other sport charges money for you to be yeah. able to get training. It's it's not like a lacrosse thing. And I don't think that you do grow the game by making it free because by making it free it just takes away from the quality of whatever you're yeah. getting. And there's always a price with quality. And mm-hmm. that's just across anything. And it's one of my actually biggest issues with like media currently. It's like so many people have an issue with like paying photographers or videographers and stuff because so many of us will do things for free because one I have to like promote myself and I have to show what I can do but two it's like I'm not going to charge someone that I'm close with for something like that because I'm just not that kind of guy I don't I don't I don't put a value on what I do I, I do it for fun and I do it out of what I love to do and so I think it's similar with lacrosse but as a small market obviously just not really well-funded high school program and it's just the non-funded. truth non-funded non-funded we don't get any you guys money. are self-funded we are self-funded is that right wow yeah. that's insane so like do you guys do fundraisers throughout the year then um for like all right so the school's not even gonna help you with like refs or anything along those lines no wow they don't i can it. cut this out too if you don't want no to. no no it's fine okay um yeah. 
it, and it has nothing to do with our school. Our, our AD is fully behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been from day one. Like, we have a new AD this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fully behind us. Um, Cumberland County, which is the county we're in. Which is funny because I'm from Cumberland County, New Jersey. I noticed that one. There we go. There in. we go. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. So the county does not recognize us as a high school varsity sport we are considered a club oh so you're not technically sanctioned yet or whatever but we are by the state okay so we are by the north carolina high school state association Mm -hmm. so um because we're a club we don't get any funding from them wow so when i did our budget this year i was like okay with uniforms and everything else like that i was looking at about eighty four hundred dollars that's actually not that bad it's not that bad especially because you guys have like nice helmets nice uniforms mm-hmm. gloves you take care of everyone yeah that's great try to try to well for what we had you're some working from with the last year of course so and but like the the helmets and the one set of uniform and i and if you want i can get back in on the the first year what what happened with our equipment and stuff like oh, yeah, that down it. the road if you want to because it's a quite interesting story but um, yeah, the the uniforms I I actually got up with DS Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, the uh, Rick Beardsley company, yeah. right? Actually, yeah. he's left now. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, he went over to I think Mercury Screen Printing. I'm not um, sure. Yeah, he's yeah, a great guy. Oh, I hilarious. love. Him. I called him and talked to him for like 20 minutes. I was like, this dude, this guy, I want to have a beer with. He's oh yeah, hilarious. you do. Hilarious. He's hilarious, and his stories are unreal. Oh yeah, yeah. I believe it. But they hooked us up because um, I was ordering player packs for the kids that they had to pay for. And then I was trying to find an inexpensive uniform that still looked good, that matched our uniforms from last year. Right. Um, so I came up with the budget. It was travel, gas, all that other stuff. None. Of, there's no equipment in that budget that I just quoted, though. Mm-hmm. So Because we, we already had the gloves. I had a ton of sticks that, that um, I had accrued through the years. And um, so I got to 8400 and I brought it to our, our AD, and he's like, Okay, let's check how much we have in the in the account. And the bookkeeper's like, we don't. There's no money in the account. Mm-hmm. This is like October. Okay, so you're kind of also on a time crunch at this point. And I'm very pissed off, right? Because I was like, I had been we we had AD switch. He's busy with football and everything, you know, because that's that's a huge sport in Cumberland County is mm-hmm. football, softball, baseball, stuff like that. So I'm like, we have to start trying to do a fundraiser or something. And so it just started this whirlwind of, of trying to raise money. And that, that's a big reason why you started seeing me push stuff on Twitter on and Twitter, stuff. Of course. Um, because last year, we didn't get our equipment or anything, uniforms, equipment, anything, until it was supposed to be technically our fifth game of the season. Oh, wow. So for tryouts all the way through the end of February and two weeks into March, the kids had never put on a helmet, gloves, shoulder pads anything wow so we finally got our equipment in uh and put it on the kids about an hour before their first game really Holy so they shit. had never thrown they had never with anything on you know the bar just obstructs so you're not used to it right you can throw with you know no helmet on but when you go to put that on and it, you get the bar and you mm-hmm. know half of them had second bar syndrome <laughs> so i mean i'm i'm over there like come here let me do your chin that is horrible um, but yeah, we, we, we had, they didn't, the AD bless his heart. He, he started it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the old one, but he didn't know what he needed. So, um, we didn't have deep holes. 
Mm-hmm. We didn't have, um, we only had one uniform, and it was the away uniform. And I understand his rationale doesn't get dirty as easy. Right. And, it, you know, it can, they plan they wanted to get it this year. Um, but we didn't have a bunch of stuff. We didn't have balls. We didn't have, like, coolers for water. I mean, we didn't have anything. Um, we started getting into our, our schedule and getting our heads kicked in, but the coaches in the SWAT conference were the teams and the coaches were some of the best dudes that I've met. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple high schools that, that held, like, uh, donation stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Apex Friendship High School. They, they sent a kid down that had, like, cases of balls, coolers, um, I can't even remember all the stuff that they it's gave amazing, us. It's amazing, though. And then we had another Holly Springs High School. They held together. We got a couple more helmets. We got some sticks. We got uh, some goalie gear, stuff like that. So um, it was it was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. And then um, it just it, it was enough to get us through the year. And the thing I was most proud of last year is every time we played anybody, we got our heads kicked in. And that coach would tell us at the end of the game, like, those kids just look like they won the state playoffs. They mm-hmm. were rushing the goalie. They were having a blast. They, you know, even though they were getting killed, and it was like it was it was so fun to see that passion and that love for the game out of a kids that we only had three kids that had ever played before. Right. So it it was a it was a brutal year, but uh, it was one of my one of my favorites. I really enjoyed that year. It's almost like because you didn't win and because you went through all those struggles, it's going to be the most memorable. You could win five state championships in a row. Those will be memorable, but yeah. it's not that year, you know? Exactly. It's, and especially to see where the program's going to come from that point to now you're, you have the potential to go three and out tonight and yeah. just run with it. So you obviously push it. You guys have like two uniforms now though, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> everything's starting to come together a bit more. Okay. So, Away from high school lacrosse. Now All you right. bring up lacrosse podcasts. Mm-hmm. I got to get your opinion. What? What? You're listening to all of them. You quite literally listen to every lacrosse podcast, and it's an admirable thing because I personally listen to like three, and then the rest of them are just garbage in my mind because it's just <laughs> the same shit over and over again. Like when I was hosting Outside the Box, I wouldn't even listen to my own podcast mm-hmm. because I didn't really agree with the structure of it. I just kind of did what I had to do. But being someone who listens to all of them, what are your? Do you think there's too many that I have? To... See, I, I'm crazy on that because to me there can never be too many. Because okay. you got to think I listen eight well, you, nine hours a day. Right, you consume more than anybody yeah. else. <laughs> um, and I also like I like different things. Like I like listening to yours if it's if we're doing. I mean, I listen to every one of yours, of course. But what I'm saying is I like. Um, no, no, you don't have to listen. T- no, 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 I do. I've listened to every one. <laughs> different topics um it doesn't just have to be lacrosse but i love mm-hmm. like when you had chris collins on right or you know and you had jordan on and it was just like um i like listening about people and what they're going through and stuff like that but at the same time there's certain ones like the crease dive cracks me up because mm-hmm. they're just like the stereotypical jordy's like stereotypical what everybody thinks of as a lax bro but he's and i not. eat that's, it up he's only that way on the podcast but that's what I, that's what oh, i, I eat up because it's hilarious right, it's the way he talks and everything and um but then there's other ones like the uh pro lacrosse talk i like listening to them because they just give me right they give you the information on. i yeah i think my biggest issue with that one was like it just sounded like a high school project to me like I, it just wasn't clear. I don't know. That was my biggest gripe with. I, I only listened to that one one or two times. Oh, okay. But like, I, I the Jordy podcast, obviously, like yeah. Priest Dive, they're funny dudes, and that's what I love about it. But like recently, I've gotten 
excuse me, an IPA burp right there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, recently, I've gotten really into the Stripped podcast. I don't know if you've yeah. listened. Yeah, I've listened. That to That is my favorite podcast yeah. by far. And I mean, they just—it's uh, because I'm more of a box guy, of course. That's part of the issue. Yeah, there. I like that one. Um, and I'm I'm a I guess a Bandits fan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's who I chose as because remember I ordered your the, team, the right. Bandits. But I haven't really been able to follow them as much as I thought I was going to get into box. Mm-hmm. And I love box, but I'm a field guy. Like Diggs says, I'm a yeah. field guy. I, I That's what I – like the, the moment I was hooked on college lacrosse was Cloutier in the national championship. What was it, 2016? Cloutier, yeah, yeah, in 2016, yeah. And uh, I probably butchered his name. No, no, I you're said good. it the and way that it's not supposed to be said. No, but like this is also one of my biggest gripes with lacrosse Twitter. It's like – I think Kyle or someone when, we were, when I was doing Outside the Box said Cloutier once and seven people were like, I'm never listening to your podcast again. And it's like, if I could pronounce every French person's name correctly on this podcast, I should win like a fucking award because it's just not happening. I, I butcher everyone's name. I called Christian Del Bianco. Apparently it's Del Bianco. Christian Del Bianco for four years. Well, nobody knew that until a little bit ago because right. I listened to Strip Lacrosse Pod- Classified. Or Lacrosse, Lacrosse Classified. That's why I did the same thing. And, yes. and they were like, well, I've been calling them that for years now. Yeah. So... I, I know I, I was one of those assholes that, that would te- would DM you and be like, hey, on this, it's this. Oh, no, no, no. But I appreciate yours because they're always someone that I shouldn't be butch- butchering. <laughs> so, like, Rob Pinnell. This is the one I'll never forget. It's because, well, this is this is also, I mean, I obviously, I... I don't know. I, I don't know really how to approach the subject about leaving outside the box. But like one time, I I was like, Kyle, it's Pinnell, by the way. Like just, and he's like, I don't really give a shit. And I'm like, okay, man. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk shit about him. I'm not really yeah. here to do that. I, I think that I've done plenty of that behind the scenes. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like, just pronounce it right on the mm-hmm. show. Like if someone suggests that this is how it's to be pronounced, just do it. Because one, you're, you don't want to offend the guy. Like what if he ends up listening to yeah. the episode and he's like, oh, this person, like everyone down South calls my last, says my last name is Hermanson. And it's like, it's Hermanson, but mm-hmm. like, I, I don't give a shit, but like some guys might. And I mean, so lacrosse classified obviously clears that one up, but I mean, I just think, and this kind of worries me in the lacrosse podcast scene is that the PLL is kind of trying to take over right now Mm -hmm. and they're about to launch six podcasts. What the hell can they talk about for six podcasts is my like biggest question because obviously Joe Keegan's going to get a show where he just like breaks down numbers or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. But then outside of that, I don't know who the hell is getting a podcast. And I think that the Lisa and Emma podcast is personally awful. I can't listen to it for more than one minute. And it's nothing against them. I just don't like it. And I think that I think part of it too is because I'm jaded because I get all the information they're yeah, talking about yeah. in other fashions. But true that that helps because like what they're putting out or if they have people on, it's like like I'm not gonna get that info right. unless I listen to something like that. And I I know I I love the Unbuckled podcast. I think Paul Rabel's so underrated. Like with his interview techniques and stuff like that, it's like you're just just talking and bullshitting yeah and it's like he he does a good job of just making him sound like a normal guy which he is he is a normal he's yeah like, he's an incredibly normal guy so but i love his guests and you know it's no, just he does do a great he job. Does a he's, good job he is he's a multifaceted human being who's very good at what he does and that's why you see the success you do in the pll but i think that the launching of six more lacrosse podcasts is just like it's a little bit overbearing. I was kind of wondering what, how many different ones they could do. I mean, that that does start to get a I think, little. 
a little like how far are you going to stretch it right i think so, part of it's like they're trying to put not push out other ones in any way shape or form but i could see like a college lacrosse podcast yeah. that they try and do or something along those lines but it's like is that really your place you don't see the mlb putting out a college lacrosse podcast yeah and i, I understand the business platform is more of like a marketing business structure rather than an actual pro lacrosse league but at the same time it's like I think that some of, and this is my one of my biggest gripes with, gripes with the media aspect of the PLL is like stuff happens three weeks before they release it, and God forbid. This is why I have a lot of admiration for Dan Arestia because I know that they hate him over there. Oh really? Oh, I'm sure. Because, I love following him. No, he's great. Yeah. He, he's wonderful because he actually breaks news, and he'll yeah. be the first one to tell you. And I'm sure that they're over there just like pissed. Yeah. And the legal team's probably going to try and hit him with like some kind of like NDA type thing sooner than later. But I think that that needs to be a thing in lacrosse. I don't understand why you have to keep information from the people when every other league or sport does it in the world. And I think that maybe with the addition of a sixth podcast or whatever, (laughs) they'll like start to break more news and give more media outlets the opportunity for that. But that's just my two cents, and I kind of went on a little bit of a rant right there. But I, I this was one I came up with on the drive here because I, I always in my mind. <laughs> I personally think that the top three podcasts in the lacrosse community right now are the Crease Dive, Unbuckled, and Strip Podcast. And this is a fun game I like to play, Kill, Fuck, Marry. And which what what are your top three? You got to kill one, fuck one, marry one of those uh, three podcasts. Let's see. <laughs> well, I think because I think I'd have to – I'd hit, Probably had to fuck crease dive. Yeah, because they're they're just wild. it's a great time, right? Yeah, they're just wild. Um, I probably have to kill stripped, and yeah. I know that probably hurts, but oh, it's respectable. I, I, I like it, but I just can't get into the box as much. Right, and I'd have to marry the uh, the Paul Rabel one, the unbuckled. Yeah, you're so, really into the yeah into the unbuckled. Because I'm just I'm more of a field guy, right? So I, my son has played box, but it's Southern box. Mm-hmm. Um, he absolutely loved it. He actually liked it more than field. Yeah. So, um, but it's just so hard for us now to to get up there all the time, right? To for him to play and stuff like that. So uh, he did the one season, and I seen just an absolute jump in his like it's his crazy, overall right? game. It was I was like, what are you do? Like his first box game after some practices, like he didn't score very much his mm-hmm. first couple years and stuff. His first box game had like five goals. And I'm like, what are you doing? He said, it's not about how hard you can shoot or anything. Not at he all. He said, it's all placement. And he said, I can't shoot very hard, but I can place the ball. And I was like, that's cool. I like it. So mm-hmm. it allowed him to work on on increasing the speed, but also he could use the shot placement. And he's pretty fast. Yeah. So he's got some good wheels on him. So that always helps, too. Oh, totally. Especially it's, in transition. I mean, forget yeah. about it. If you can beat a man out of the gate, oh, my God. He's not boxes. the biggest kid, but he's you but know he's you, got some wheels. You don't have to be the biggest kid, no. especially in box. Well, it's funny because box is like you can still be. You Did you listen to the um, Logan Shuss strip podcast when he's like hot bags? He's like coming in at 240 or something. And he's like, <laughs> Logan Shuss is only like, I think, 5'11". He's not the tallest guy. Yeah. So he, he's obviously a bulkier guy. Oh, in the yeah. You don't have to be the fastest. If you can use your body and understand the box game, you can use it to your advantage. I mean, clearly I'm a little bit overweight. So I can still play box. Like, I understand. Oh, it's so. okay. I mean, I've gotten very into uh, beer, coffee, and biscuits and gravy. Recently. There you go. There so, you go. Um, 
That's a yeah. southern breakfast. It is, so this is my biggest. I know that I'm starting to really fall off track when I start going to my dining hall at my college for breakfast because I will go and eat like five biscuits and gravy mm-hmm. and just not even think twice about it. Oh yeah, every morning. And that's the way to do it, right there. I mean, it's this kind of fascination I had with the South. For like when I first got down to Richmond, which isn't even the South, I guess, but like it feels pretty southern, like the school I go to. And I just was so fascinated by this culture. Everyone's so nice to one another. You eat mm-hmm. biscuits and gravy every morning oh yeah and fried chicken at night and it's just what you do but i i fell in love with it for two years and then i realized i'm a northern boy who either belongs in a city or in the mountains and there's no in between and so we're kind of pushing into that uh, feature of my life now as i choose where i'm gonna move where yeah. i'm gonna live and stuff like that i'll probably end up in tampa where signatures based out of but that's that's Beautiful, few months down. Beautiful area, though. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, you're not a beach guy yourself, you said. No, but it's it's nice. I do enjoy. You know, I enjoy visiting and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm now that Tyler's gonna be up in the mountains next year. Mm -hmm. He's really in the mountains. He's He's really in the. the mountains. He's gonna be in the most beautiful spot in this country potentially. Yeah, he's he's right in between basically two ski resorts. So. I'll be letting the wife know, uh, hey, he's got a game this weekend. Why don't we head on up? It's only four hours. So. Or like full weekend, four days oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe hit the ski resort early season game mm-hmm. when it's still snowing I've never out. been skiing either. Really? No, no. Skiing, snowboarding, anything. Ice skating? Never. Uh, I have been on the ice a whole bunch. No, but you'll be not, able to figure it out then. No, no, no. I I was trying to ice skate. I was just on the ice the whole bunch. <laughs> so I, I I was on the ice more than I was on my feet. So I'm not very good at that. But I, I mean, ice fishing. Oh, if yeah. that counts. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you don't do too much on the ice ice fishing, but like. It's kind of the concept of like you have to want, and this is the most important. People are talk about skiing quite often and getting into it, but the most important thing for me, if you can stand to just be out there the whole time, that's half the battle because yeah. so many people are like, I can't do cold, I don't do snow, and I might kill someone if I have to be out there for more than two or so hours. Mm, and I love the cold. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I was up in Canada a few weeks ago at uh, Beaver Valley and skiing and everything, and oh, I was in love with it. It's like negative five out. Mm-hmm. Just sit by the fire, go skiing during the day, yep. hot tub at night. Oh, it was wonderful. I couldn't have it any other way. I'm the guy with shorts on at work when it's an ice storm. Oh, yeah. So not anymore. They changed the code. We have to wear pants now during the winter. But, yeah, I, I, I'm I not a pants guy. So I think, and this is something that is very recent for me. I was a very big shorts guy for the longest time. And then just over the summer, something was like, okay, I'm just going to start wearing jeans more often. I don't know. It's the content creator in me, I guess. But so just we've we've really talked about a whole lot of lacrosse here. <laughs> you message me. You listen to, I want to say it was my episode with Shelly where we talk about gun rights. Mm-hmm. And you shoot me a DM. And this is, this is something that a lot of people don't know about me is like I'm completely open-minded to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit. About, no, I, I do give a shit. But I don't. I'm never going to judge you for your political social whatever views yeah and you shoot me a message and just say hey like this is something i'm really passionate about i'd love to hash it out with you and so i want to open up the floor to you you i want you to just go after like i want to know like your thoughts in general and then where i can come in on gun rights because i think that this is something that a lot of people have really a lot of conundrum was with yeah and are afraid to speak about but if you and i can sit across the table and talk it out someone might be listening and think that's how i feel i would like I'm glad that there's other people out there who I can connect with and I don't have to be necessarily scared to have this conversation mm-hmm. because I think that's 
that's the real issue here is people are afraid to sit with someone across the table who disagrees yeah and we're so afraid of disagreeing anymore i don't understand that i took like five speech and debate classes in high school and i think that's just like the way i'm wired or whatever but so you you've been a gun owner your whole life uh my grandpa was a uh, gun dealer mm-hmm. um back in like the 70s and i really didn't get too much into guns until i was in the military of course i did you know when you're a kid you play guns and all right. that other stuff but i bought my first gun i was probably 22 something like that and um you know i was i was in airborne infantry in the 82nd i mm-hmm. mean that's what we do and you clearly had your gun training you knew everything that went into the through the like you knew how to be responsible with your mm-hmm. gun essentially and that's i think that's where so much of this debate gets lost so many people don't consider the fact that there are 99 percent of gun owners really are responsible they take care of their guns they would never use them for mm-hmm. harm and that's where the debate kind of just oh you have a gun fuck you you know and yeah i think that's where so much of this gets lost so you're 22 you buy your first gun and yeah. that you just ever since kind of just been yeah we did we used to do the uh my stepdad would uh like he had guns all through the house and stuff mm-hmm. like that and we would go to the um, like the turkey shoots when I was little, and I'd shoot muskets, and you know we'd shoot twenty twos, and I had to take my safety class and all that other stuff. But I didn't actually buy my own gun until I was like twenty two, I think. Right. So and then it just kind of I didn't get big into it, and probably back in my thirties, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, after what happened, I think it was after uh, the the um, when Clinton's uh, gun ban. Um, mm-hmm. expired wasn't renewed by congress the um i was like well i wouldn't mind having an ar and so i started doing that and then it just kind of led to where i was like i have an absolute blast shooting these it's good for home defense it's you know it there's just as long as you're responsible for them and i've got videos on i don't even know if i've got them on twitter i'll probably have them on facebook because mm-hmm. you know i actually still use facebook because i'm old right yeah but um dying platform yeah i'm noticing that every day yeah so i've got the boys when they're really little you know seven eight they're out there they've got their their uh eye protection their ear protection they're out there shooting 22s um teaching them the right way you know load on you know uh clear you know safety on all that other stuff you know trigger finger all that stuff that i knew from the military and all that other stuff but I think the the biggest misconception is just people think that you just you can just go and pick up a gun on the corner like a loaf of bread and anybody any responsible gun owner that has gone through it knows the lengths that you have to go to get like your concealed carry permit or mm-hmm. to get a, a long gun or to get your handgun license or you know any of that stuff. And you know there's background checks, there's this that whole gun show loophole and stuff like that. What they're talking about is still illegal. You, mm-hmm. you, it's what that is like in our state, because I've done a couple of those where I'll meet up with somebody, but we both would have concealed carry permits. Mm-hmm. We would actually photocopy them, give them to each other. We would, you know, verify, and then we would go ahead and exchange. Okay, and, and we would we would either buy it from each, you know, if we were just one of us was selling, or sometimes we would swap or do something like that. But it was always what we could do. We couldn't call Nick's, but 
but I had a copy of his information or anything. Mm-hmm. So if anything ever happened down the road, I had a copy like, this is where he showed me his concealed carry permit or his, his handgun permit that he got through the county, through the sheriff's department. And it was, you know, hey, it, I'm covered. This is legal. It was legal at the time. Now, I don't know what he's done with it afterwards. Right. So um, the whole buy a gun on the internet and stuff like that, yeah, I can go on and order a gun on the internet, mm-hmm. but that it's got to be shipped to a to an FFL. Oh, does it? Yes, it does. So it you have to, to pick it up to an from FFL. Yes, a... because they have to do the background check when you go to pick it up. Oh, okay. So there's no shipping it to your front door or anything like that. Um, now, is that state by state? Is each state different in that regard? I want to say that's that's a national one. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. This is something I haven't researched enough, clearly. Yeah. But. I, I have not been... I was big into it before lacrosse. Right. And then lacrosse consumed me. Um, so the... I know... It, I think it's on a national level, but I know... Because most of the time, stuff like that, especially if it's coming from out of state or something, obviously it's federal mm-hmm. because it's crossing straight, state lines. So... Um, but yeah, anytime that I ever ordered a, a, a rifle or a handgun or anything like that, I would have to go, I'd go to my FFL guy that uh, was on my mail delivery route mm-hmm. and, you know, I'd give, I'd show him my concealed carry permit or if I just had my handgun permit at the time, he'd go ahead and call it in the NICS. They, yep, he's good to go. I'd pay. I'm out the door. So it's not like I'm getting stuff delivered to my door right. that is a handgun. And the a lot of those that they're talking about with the sale of weapons and stuff like that, you're not going to stop with another law. I think there's 14,000 gun laws or something something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's very regulated. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's there's a lot of misinformation put out. And that that's the part that drove me the craziest is people get that misinformation. And then they think like the 35 or 40,000 gun deaths every year. Well, yeah, I think it's, what is it, 20, 25,000 of those are suicide? Mm-hmm. No, totally. They're going to find a, a way to higher. kill themselves anyways. Right, and that's so, a rate that's higher than anything right now. I mean, yeah. Suicide is through the roof. And yeah. if it's gun-assisted, obviously that's going to mm-hmm. increase your number that you're fighting against. Because you, nobody, well, first of all, nobody wants a suicide to happen. But yeah. secondly, you don't want to see that, especially when you're fighting under the gun death limitations or whatever you want to call it so when doing this i mean so you would be against any extra like background checks or anything along those i'm not a big fan of universal gun uh background checks Mm -hmm. because it's it's and it sounds sounds like i'm putting on my tin hat or my tinfoil hat Mm -hmm. but it it is actually a legitimate backdoor way to confiscation Mm -hmm. so um the you start knowing we already do background checks. Right. We already do them. The, the universal thing is just a way... The same people that want the government to have all your information about for guns or anything like that, this is the same government that, that can't get most of the other stuff right. Mm-hmm. So why are you putting your safety, your family's safety, all that other stuff in their hands? That's, that's not their job. I mean... the. I'm I'm a big I guess I'm just old old fashioned in the sense that like I'm gonna protect my family right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything responsibly I'm gonna take care of my family 
I'm not going to harass anybody. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about, um, and then that guy just cut me off in traffic. I got my gun on me. Last thing I ever want to do is have to actually pull my gun out in self-defense. This is the last thing. So, um, and I know there's just, there's crazy people out there that no matter what you do, they're, they're going to, they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just war on drugs. It's the same thing. Yeah. I'm actually, people probably think I'm super conservative or something like that. I don't give a crap about drugs. Tell you the I, truth, I, I'm, I feel the same way. I think that if we were to decriminalize and legalize all drugs, mm-hmm. that we would see a dramatic change yeah. in both death and just addiction rates. I think yes. that they would go far, far down. What we really need to worry about is like just opioids at this point. I mean, oh yeah, opioids are getting to a point where it's like something needs to be done. But like people who do heroin, people who do meth, they're mm-hmm. gonna get it anyway. And we just finished the narco season two right. Mexico. Right. I mean, you see, you see the escalation that it that it is. If if you're not putting, if you're not infringing and and putting stops to certain people, what they want to do. Some people do it just because they can't. Right. Exactly. So and then and then it, I mean, it didn't work for for alcohol in was it the twenties or yeah, it was the 20s. yeah the prohibition yeah, yeah. prohibition in the twenties. It didn't work. No, it's it not didn't work. work. It increased alcohol. So it's like. Yeah, we have we have a whole bunch of the gun deaths and the, and the the school shootings and stuff are absolutely horrific, and but the school shooting numbers that I see put out by like Mother Jones and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they'll they'll put they'll count a gun uh, a school shooting as something that was two blocks away from a school that was a gang shooting. Really? Yeah, it, there's a lot of misinformation put out there, mm-hmm. but if you we have what 300 million guns in this country, something along those lines, and yeah. you're looking at, I mean, it's like. Point zero 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 one gun deaths. Right. It's like f- the vast majority of Americans are are good people that just want to do the right thing, and it, it just gets demonized. Right. And that's and the biggest part that I have a problem with. So I think so much of it too is there's a great camaraderie that comes with it, and this is why I can be completely open minded to both sides. Mm-hmm. Is like I know plenty of people who go to the gun range on the weekends just to hang out with their buddies. Yeah. And it's like going to the bar, yeah. or it's like going and just playing lacrosse like if you have a men's league lacrosse team what's the difference and that's where i can see like okay yeah sure you this is this is a good point my sister made the other day actually and she's very much open to gun regulation and that type of stuff and oh we have tyler walking right through the door yes. here welcome to the conversation buddy how you doing that's herm nice to meet you. you too man uh big game tonight but <laughs> so my sister, though, proposed to me this idea the other day, and I, I kind of like the sound of it. If there were to be an AR ban of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, just still have them stocked, gun ranges, places where people can still shoot them. Because at the end of the day, it can be regulated that way, and people yeah. will still be able to get the fix that they search for in shooting the guns. Obviously, you're an AR guy, mm-hmm. so you completely understand that. I don't personally. I've never shot one. But is that something that would kind of appease you to a certain extent? If you, No. No, not at all. No. Yeah, because it's not about going out and shooting or uh, even even I mean, if you look at what the Second Amendment is and I know people say it's outdated and we don't need it anymore. And I'm like, I don't understand that part when you look around the world and see what some of these governments do. And you can't tell me just because we're America that that couldn't happen here Mm -hmm. down the road. But it is to protect against a tyrannical government. Like I said, it sounds like tinfoil hat here. No, but, no, no, it's. I mean, people say, well, all, they got the the army and the tanks and all that other stuff, but um, seem to I, I don't Afghanistan stuff like that. You have people with the willpower, and it doesn't matter what they're going up against. You know, 
We were like that in the beginning against the British. We mm-hmm. were vastly outnumbered. Uh, you know, technology, everything was, we didn't have it, but we had the will to, to be free. So it's one of those things that it's not for sports shooting, hunting, all that other stuff. It, that's what it is for. Mm-hmm. So I understand the part where, yeah, you don't, you know, I hear the, well, these machine guns shouldn't be on the street. Well, yeah, the machine guns aren't on the street. Those right. are just rifles. They're rifles. They're not automatic. You know, if you buy an automatic, first of all, they, they tend to be um, certain machine gun legal. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, you're going to spend ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. I don't think a guy that's going to, to do a, a school shooting or a gang shooting or something like that wants to use a $12,000 gun to go do that. Right. Now they're picking something up off the black market. Exactly. Is not even registered probably, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I, I often, I mean, this is something I'm, I'm totally undereducated on this. So you can probably help me. It's like when you hear about gang shootings and stuff like that, oftentimes like serial numbers are scratched mm-hmm. off and these, these guns aren't even in the registry. Yes. It's, and it's something that's going to be floating around whether they're legal or illegal or legal or whatever the hell I just said. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is one of the things that it's like, well, how do we take care of this? Because making guns illegal won't fix that Mm-mm. issue. It's no. the same thing with drugs. I yep. mean, you make drugs illegal and you, I think one of the issues too is you make guns illegal, but don't educate people drives people insane drugs you make them illegal, but don't educate people. There's an issue there. Yeah. We, and it's something I talked about, I think last week on the podcast was like, if, if we don't educate kids about things, what the hell are they going to do when they come up? Right. You, exactly. You, you terrify kids to the point about guns at this point, to the fact that they're to the point that they get to see a gun or something along those lines or learn about them. And they're like, Oh my God, this is going to ruin our society. Yeah. And I think that being able to see both ends of the spectrum here, it's kind of important. Mm-hmm. So, I, I very much appreciate you being so candid about that because I mean, it's something that I'm for sure closed, not closed minded about. I, I think that I get too much of my information from one side mm-hmm. and I don't get to have this face to face conversation about the truth or what actually is going on. And that's good, especially because you have a military background that many people who come from the military, I'm sure want to have that same protection, yeah. that same uh, the comfort of knowing that you are going to be able to take care of your loved ones exactly that surround you. And I think that's such a big part of it for you, especially, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, you see where, I mean, we're not like in BFE or anything, but we're out in the country. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a lot of times it's not just, um, it may not, we don't have a lot of threats out here yet. Like we don't have people, you know, we've had like one break in, in the last like 10 years that we've been here, mm-hmm. um, around this little area that we're in. But um, we have other threats too. I mean, we I've had coyotes or the yeah coyotes going through the yard. You know, the dogs are going crazy. 100%. We've seen bears around here, stuff like that. So there's so many different uses for us. And half the time we will go back to my neighbor's house. It's got a backstop and safety. You know, we make sure there's nothing else behind him and stuff. And we'll just put up targets and just have a good time. Right. No alcohol involved. Of course, we don't mm-hmm. We don't go out there and get drunk and shoot and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, by comparison We're, to the bar, going to the bar with the exactly, boys probably wasn't the best exactly. one earlier. <laughs> and there's stuff like that, too, with concealed carry and stuff like that. You can't go into a bar and drink. You know, you can't right. do any of that stuff. There's severe restrictions on even that stuff. And a lot of people, they just don't hear that information being put out. Um, a good one, if you actually do want to um, research it a little bit more, is... Uh, uh, Colion Noir for mm-hmm. NRA. He's a um, he's a younger guy that actually he kind of puts it way more eloquently than I do. But he'll explain some of the, the some of what 
like the media or the politicians or whatever is pushing out there mm-hmm. and the problem with what they're saying about it. Right. And he does it in an entertaining way. But um, he's a really good one to get your information from, too, because um, he he just he puts out good info that is entertaining. Right. And this is I mean, this is kind of my thing is like I, I can't stand either side on this argument. Mm-hmm. So it's like I try and get as much information I can from like BBC. I want to know like what yeah, the people yeah. in like England would think about this yeah. or the people who just tell you what what the hell's happening because i think so much of anything is so politically slanted anymore especially in this day and age that even even when it comes to talking about something like letting people into sporting events and stuff like that how much security there should be little things like that who's protected who's armed what this and that is just so politically just skewed at this point and it's ridiculous to me especially like i go to pll events every weekend and every single weekend was a different security setup really yeah and it's just ridiculous and like the different metal detectors you have to go through the different inspections you have on your bags the stuff like Mm. that and i just think that even that's just like completely based on where you are in the world Uh, denver was much different from philly which was much different from new york which was a million times different from atlanta which was even more ridiculously different from canada canada i walked into the stadium no not one person checked me or even (laughs) did a double take anybody without a ticket could have walked into that press box and watched the game for free it's because you guys are so damn nice that's why i mean it's great canadians the canadians are great people and i mean canadians are also i think i've met a lot of canadian people through the years now and they all believe in gun rights i mean they're much more open to gun rights and gun politically driven views or whatever mm-hmm. than Americans are any yeah. day of the week. And I think that's one of the more interesting things. And I mean, obviously that's not in like Toronto, but like when you get yeah. into like the more outer limits kind of places like Peterborough and stuff like that, where it's not country, but it's not. Well, that's, I think that's the, I think that's United States too, mm-hmm. is oh, that totally. you get a lot of, you get a lot of uh, the big city people that you hear all their voices and it's, you know, guns are bad, blah, 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 Bloomberg, stuff like yeah. that you know he was big on that bloomberg's a nut in many many ways yes and yes he is he, but you go to middle america or you go to the even the areas like we're you know we're an hour outside of raleigh which right. is a large area and it's just country folk i mean it is that, that's what i love being down here my you you didn't get to meet my wife today you'll meet her tonight but um i mean she is straight country she's got mm-hmm. the twang she's got all that and her mom is even more yeah but that's the part I love. It's just it's they'll do anything for you. It's it's all about family. Um, it's one of the things I do love about being in the South. You know, I grew up in Ohio, and it was like, I what was it? Uh, you guys were talking about holding the doors and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. If it hold a door, I don't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, well, fuck you. Then. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So it's just one of those that I get a. Uh, I'm just that's the way I was raised, mm-hmm. and then totally. it's gotten worse as I'm down here. So just because everybody's always so polite, it may be fake, but it's like I'd rather have fake than just a mean ass, you know, somebody just cussing me out for no reason. I think that's my biggest. I'm very good at acting, not acting, being where I am. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm in New York City, I am 100 percent city. I'm not talking to anybody. (laughs) I am not holding doors. I'm going to be a complete dickhead. Yeah. But like down here, I've 
just feel it's incredibly comfortable and i think this is one of the misconceptions about the south it's like there's this idea of like southern hospitality and everything but people don't realize like it's just really a comfortability thing people want to be welcoming they nobody wants to be greeted with like a fuck you because you didn't yeah. hold a door or something like that yeah. right you want to be greeted with a how you doing how's your yep. day going and be able to conversate in that way and i think that's something that the south does very well especially in this area of north carolina that we're in i mean you guys oh, yeah. are you guys are very southern here it's mm-hmm. it's very uh country yeah which is it's cool because we're not completely like down in like alabama or georgia or no louisiana no. or any yeah. of those raging cajuns or anything <laughs> along those lines i've lived in some areas like that i've lived in in uh Palaka, florida and i've lived in georgia for a little bit and stuff like that and yeah that that one opened right. my eyes i was like oh Lord. i have i'm in geology currently and we are my professor he's from louisiana like the sticks of louisiana oh, wow. We don't understand a word he's saying during a lecture, but uh, apparently it's about like rocks and uh, the <laughs> ground. And at this point, I'm just doing anything for like a D, <laughs> like yeah. whatever the grade I need is to get through. Because, you sound like my kid now. Well, so. it's it's awful because well, first of all, I'm working full time. Yeah. So it's like I'm busy 90% of the day. It's not that I don't have time for schoolwork, but I'm like, if I can just do what I have to do to graduate. Yeah that's what's going to get done because this isn't what's paying me Yep. and I'm not necessarily using any of my degrees. Well, you're in your, you're in your last semester, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. See you and Tyler are the exact same. He's in his last semester and he's like, as long as I can get this grade in English, I'm, I'm uh, ready to go for, um, I'm a, a full qualifier for the fall right. ball starting, you know, in October or whatever. And I was the same way my senior year of high school. My So, like, my senior year of high school, I don't know how I was able to manipulate the administration to do this, but uh, it, it was a college setup. So I went to boarding school, and it was the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday type thing. Mm-hmm. And then you had to take seven classes or you could take seven, but you had to take five or something. My senior spring, I only took three and, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how I was able to pull that one off, but um, I, I, I was very good friends with a lot of people up in the higher ups. So I always found my way to get through it. But, and I think that this is one of the things, and I mean, you, you would have a better understanding of this as a coach is just like, I want my kids to be passionate about school but i would never expect them to be straight a students and i think that's yeah. one of the issues with so many coaches i've personally had over the years that were like if you don't meet this grade mark or whatever you are not going to play for me because you are not putting in the time in the classroom and it's like i probably am putting the time in the classroom i just it's not that i don't care i just know that i can put in x amount of hours in the classroom to get x amount of grades and i can use the rest of the time to get better at my sport yeah which is going to help you so i mean from a coaching standpoint, you're obviously looking for kids who are going to work hard in the classroom but aren't necessarily going to let it control their lives. Yeah, it's uh, a little different with uh, like with a college coach or something where they can kind of control that. It's like the kids I have are the kids that I have. So mm-hmm. it's not like I can I can recruit the kids and say, hey, if you're not above a 3-5, I don't want you. Right. So um, I've got some kids on my team that are a 4-5. Some, like my youngest one's like a three nine, mm-hmm. you know, so, but he's kind of lazy, you know, that sort of thing. Tyler's one, you know, he's one of the lowest ones on the team, but it's not that he doesn't try. It's just that that's not his thing. Right. So he's, I think he'll be the type of kid that actually does much better at college than he does in high school because he'll have that access to like tutoring and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I take each kid individually, and I'm like, hey, how's this going in, in this class or something? And if they're like, I'm really having difficulty, something like that, um, 
you know, I'll be like, hey, if you need tutoring, go go get tutoring after school, stuff like that. I don't know how many times in the past couple of weeks I've had kids that like, coach, I've got AP chemistry. Um, I'm going to tutoring for that. I'll be late to practice. And I'm never like, no, you will be at practice and then you can figure it out later. It's like, you need those academics. You know, I know you guys, most of them are not going to go play college lacrosse or anything like that. Right. They're, they're, they've got their sights set on other things. And I'm like, um, the academics come first. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just try to take it case by case, basically. Totally. Yeah, and not not hold them to all one single standard that I know some of them aren't going to be able to make because it's unfair because I know my own son wouldn't wouldn't be able to if it was you know you have to have a three two or above or something he wouldn't be able to do it. Right, and I so, think that's so much of it too is like it's it's such the, the stigma we put on it like oh you're not doing well in school you must not be a smart kid but mm-hmm. it's like. No, I can drive across the country without my iPhone and my thing and take one road and figure it out yeah. and get there. And I have plenty of street smarts, but it's like, I don't, it's the classroom dynamic that doesn't always connect. But also in high school, I mean, so much of it is like, if you aren't going to play the college lacrosse, you do have to worry about something like yep. that. And we are going to have to put like stress on school, which I guess as an athlete, I've been an athlete my whole life. I guess it just always came second. And, yeah. and I think that that's something I never quite understood with, especially, which would be tough if I ever got into coaching, which I probably won't. Cause I mean, <laughs> uh, just would be an awful idea, but I'd be like, how can I hold myself to this standard where I'm like, I'm fine with a two or two nine GPA mm-hmm. that'll get me through college or whatever. And then expect kids to produce a three, five, it would just yeah. be unfair of me. And quite honestly, just it would be bullshit and that's how i was yeah so and i think that i've had plenty of coaches that way like my high school coach like one of my high school coaches in a different sport dude was like a 4.0 at william and mary or something and it's like well clearly you expect something ridiculous out of me that i'm not gonna be able to produce it's just not gonna happen yeah and it's fine by me and i think it's something that also is tough for like especially as a parent and i mean you can you've obviously you know how you feel my dad's the same way you are but my mom she's genius she's literally made it through the highest levels of school with a Mm -hmm. 4.0 and it's like she's it take it took a while for her to really just be like okay this is all right alex isn't going to be a 4.0 student my sister eiley she will be she's (laughs) she's a genius i've always said like she'll i'll be more successful in like this day and age i'm only 23 or whatever and i'm like doing whatever i do Mm -hmm. and but she's gonna like move out to california and like bake cakes for cats or something Mm -hmm. and be a millionaire one day because she's just brilliant that way but it took so long for her to really just fathom the fact that like i'm not gonna be anywhere near like a three five and above and i think that it's a stigma especially in lacrosse recently that it's like did you see the thing that was shared the other day where like a the ad of a college let their college coach go because the students were so bad or something as as are you talking about young harris is that what it was Uh, the d2 school yeah 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 um, that release really threw me through a loop. Yeah, that was uh, no. They they suspended the season or suspended the season, right? Um, and they said the coach could leave because his players were so bad. Or yeah, the, it said that there, the culture was so bad and everything that they were suspending the season, but it was actually in defense of the coach. Right. Um, the weird thing is, is that we we actually have personal experience with that coach. Oh, really? He coached. Um, he coached uh, Tyler at a tournament in December. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad's also a very successful high school coach in North Carolina and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess the, the team just didn't want to bend to, to his, what he wanted them to do. And it was almost like a strike or something like that. Really? And 
that's why I kind of stayed off of that whole Twitter exchange mm-hmm. because I I do have limited knowledge of like his interactions and stuff like that. Right. But I, it's not my place because I don't know what those kids are like. I don't know what what he was trying to do or if it's if it's him being overbearing or if it's them, them just being immature mm-hmm. or um it was definitely the first like I had ever seen anything like that. Now I've seen him can't like get rid of programs and stuff, but for them to cancel over over like the attitudes season, and stuff, it right. was crazy. Yeah. So um I think that's also one of, you made a great point there is you want to stay off on Twitter. That's one of my biggest issues is like having this written thing out there. I will say anything I want on a podcast because mm-hmm. you'll one hear the intonation in my voice, you'll know how I actually present it. But like Twitter, if I made a comment on that, I'm gonna have like five people probably come at me. Because yeah. I mean like Kids are douchebags, yeah, and that's probably part of this issue. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Like, yeah. I've seen this culture make a complete 180, flip around, and I think that's so much of it. it I went to a boarding school. I've seen the prep school douchebag lacrosse players. Mm-hmm. I know it better than anything in the world. But I've also seen this cultural change that's happened in the last five years, where it's like some of the best lacrosse players I've seen are these, like, these hippie dudes that like, yeah. like Scott Ratliff. Yeah. He just does yoga every morning and goes out to the field and loves what he does. So it's like, it's really this great cultural change. But at the same time, I'm like, that was that was ridiculous. Like, I thought it was radical. I never put anything, like, that's what I, I think I DM'd you one time. And I was like, because um, I was joking around and I chirped you about a picture or something Probably, like that. Yeah, I mean. And I was, I was laughing. And you'll see me most of the time. I always have like an emoji or something on there, yeah, or, yeah, a, yeah. or a, a gif. Is it gif? I don't know. Okay, I'm I, a, a, a I, gif. I go gif too. I'm I do not too. Sure. I, I don't know. I think it's gif. I, I, I think it gif. is. But I always put something to try to convey what I was saying because I never. I'm. I will be on Twitter the exact same way that I'll talk to you right now. Right. I will never come at you super snarky or call you a dumbass or but if you do it's probably meant to like it's probably for a good reason i I don't even get into that though so because i always um i i tell my i tell my boys i'm like you it doesn't matter that you're on social media you should be you should treat people the same way if they're in person or if you're talking to them like keyboard warrior i can't stand that oh i can't either it drives me crazy so that's the um, issue with so much the lacrosse community currently yeah, too. Yeah. Is everybody hides behind a different account that isn't their actual personal account. Yeah. And they won't actually speak their mind. I think also a lot of it's like intimidation. I think there's a big intimidation in the lacrosse community by the higher ups who are like, will come right back at you yeah. and make you feel like a piece of shit. Like it's just Which is weird truth. too, because like I, I don't know how many t- like the first time I had Kyle Harrison like a tweet or respond mm-hmm. and Greg Grunley and, and like I've had a whole bunch of them, uh, Scotty Rogers and, yeah. and it's like every time when I had Chris Collins do that, you know, he, he responded back to me. I had, um, I had Nat St. Laurent DM me one time yeah. and I was just like, what is going on? And I was like, I love lacrosse Twitter. Yeah. And it's like, um, like I had, um, that was how we actually got our deep holes the first time. Well, I seen it was a James Michelli, right? Yes, I seen a post, and I was I didn't know who he was at the time, mm-hmm. and I just posted on there. It was saying about your high school equipment. I said, yeah, we didn't even have deep holes or something, and he came back. He's like, what are you talking about? And then he DM me, and he's and he was like, yeah, we can do something about that. And I'm like, who is it? And I didn't even mm-hmm. realize it was him. Yeah. Next thing I know, I get seven Firefly deep holes yeah. in the mail for free. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And it was like just I had 
our mutual friend Mark. Oh yeah, so, Mark. I mean, we could talk about Mark. I, we have I to, love Mark. We have to do an episode with you and Mark together, just because uh, you are even before like we started communicating everything. You guys were like the fathers of Lax Twitter, mm-hmm. and like it's Try the to. truth. Yeah, he he's uh, he's DM me the one time, and he's like, uh, "Hey, coach, I sent um, I, I I sent you something," and I'm like, "What'd you send?" He said, "Yeah, I bought an extra replacement net, and so I just sent it out to you." That's and I'm amazing. like, "Well, how much is it?" And he's like, "No, no, I got it." And I'm just like, I know how much those replacement nets are because it's mm-hmm. like a seven millimeter. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, I got you. And then he DMs me the other day and he's like, I ordered a player pack for my son. And I'm like, Mark, you didn't have to do that. I'm so grateful. Um, oh, the Cape Fear one? The Cape Fear one. I meant to ones. do that too. And then yeah. I freaking just ran out of time. Yeah. So next so year you're going to catch I Because had... I already had it made. It was Herm 69 on it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's what my youngest son wanted to get was 69. And I told him that number was not authorized this year. So well, it I was been, like, it'll be, it'll be reserved for you. <laughs> yeah, there we so, go. But yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the people that we meet on there and Mark is, I mean, he is in everything. He I, is literally. He's got a post on everybody's stuff. And I, I want to say him. that he has post notifications on for everybody. I Absolutely. feel like he definitely just knows as soon as Absolutely. Himself. But it's beautiful because you know what? He, he's not afraid to speak. His, he's not afraid to get on there. No. He's not intimidated by anyone. He'll let you know. Yeah. And that's the best thing about it because, I mean, that's and that's what brings you back to break, being the 14-year-old on Twitter. Yeah. Being the person who is able, and especially guys like James. I mean, I'm obviously at Signature now, but me and James had communicated for a long time before that. And um, it was funny. He came up to me at a... We were in, okay, so this is one of the cool stories, and this is one that I've been waiting to tell. But, like, we're in this, um, it's the commissioner's suite at the Wings game at LaxCon, and everybody's there. It's Paul Rabel, it's both Gate brothers, it's every CEO, it's James, it's the CEO from our company, CEO from STX, CEO this, that, everyone, everyone who's anybody in lacrosse was there, and I don't know how the hell I ended up there, but um, James comes up to me, he's like, oh, so you're with the enemy now, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess if that's what you want to call it, man, and then um, I thought he tried to chirp me on Twitter or something, so I called him out for that, and he was like, no, 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 I'd never do that, but you know, he's a beauty, and what Epic does is amazing, and for them to get you guys polls was just awesome yeah. and um not to plug signature or anything but we're gonna hook you guys up with another poll later because oh, wow. um we, we got a crossbar challenge at some point all right so uh whichever poll does best crossbar challenge nice, it is nice and uh we got a shorty for you guys too so you guys have already gave us a shorty too yeah i mean yeah i was we, daniel no so or you were talking Karn, to karn brian karn brian Carnes. that's right he i is, could not think of it he is a amazing dude he's actually he's left signature because he's going to really? yeah so he's going oh geez what is it called when you crack people's backs for chiropractor chiropractor he's going to chiropractor school really yeah and he he's so smart but he is he's one of the best people i've ever met in my life i love that kid to death and um, I'm actually really disappointed that he left right yeah. when I got in, but it is what it is. And yeah, so we we obviously want to take care of anybody and everybody for any way we can. So that that was my one big little gift I brought with me. <laughs> I would have brought more if I had my other car with me, but that's in the shop. So this this has been wonderful, man. I've had this, an absolute blast. You're dog, I'm honored to I'm, be on here. Oh man, I I truly want this to be for anybody and everybody. And I think that a lot of people are very. I think they're intimidated to message me i'll be totally honest and just be like hey i want to come on the show yeah because people like drop hints everywhere else and i'll be like dude i literally say at the end of every episode like dm me if you yeah. want to come on the show and so yeah no it's like cape fear story this is i i didn't know you guys didn't have equipment equipment bad words uh equipment for half your season last year that's Mm-mm. an unreal story and that's the story that 
people one connect with and two admire and people will then become Cape Fear Lacrosse fans and they'll be following you guys from states away and you just don't know it necessarily. So this is this has been awesome, man. And uh yeah, that's all I got. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. As always, I have to thank Coach for hopping on the podcast. I mean, this was, if you guys couldn't tell, just the conversation was unreal. I mean, it was it was like talking to an old friend, honestly, someone that I've been communicating with for a long time now. And I think it's a great example of just me saying, hey, man, like, I'm my DMs are always open. Reach out to me. He's someone who has always communicated with me about any of the podcasts or videos or anything that I put up. He supports me. I support Cape Fear. And I think that it's a relationship that is going to, it's just so strong. And it's something that I never, I will never forget this weekend because, I mean, I just got so fired up, guys. Getting to see these kids play lacrosse, let me tell you. I mean, if you haven't already, first of all, go check out their crossbar challenge video. It's on the signature page or check out my vlog on my YouTube page and you will just see these kids. I mean, there's 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 obviously not the best lacrosse players in the world. They're just starting to learn, but they love this game. They truly do. And they love it so much that they wear their heart on their sleeve. They do anything that they can to try and pick up new skills pick up knowledge from other guys on the team and it's just it's something so special that I think for so many months of the year over the last year I've I've surrounded myself with professional lacrosse players and I've surrounded myself in the business of lacrosse the the really ugly stuff that can really drive you away from the game but it's weekends like this and getting to hang out with teams like Cape Fear Lacrosse that just remind me of how awesome this game is and how how special it is and how you can just completely get lost in that world and you just get flown right out of reality almost. And that that's what happened to me. I was sitting there on the sidelines taking pictures with the biggest smile on my face just because these kids were, they were having so much fun and they won. I mean, granted, they won 21 nothing the game I was at. It's kind of hard not to be having a good time there. But, but just to see the growth that they've made in just one year, that is, that's so awesome. However, being at the game did it brought up a really great great point that I didn't get to talk about with coach and I'm sure we would have talked about it had it happened before the podcast but there was a period there where the refereeing the refereeing was just so poor it was awful the refs don't even know the calls in the game they don't know how to set up a face off they don't know how to they just don't know they didn't understand the fundamentals of lacrosse so like any big hit that was completely legal was considered flagrant and just automatic flags they were trying to eject as many kids as they could it seemed like and I mean the refs trust they they try to control a game in a way that they shouldn't have and it was incredibly inappropriate and so my biggest takeaway from that experience is that when trying to grow the game of lacrosse when trying to grow the sport and get kids interested and get more players going it is just as important that we are educating refs and getting people out there who are calling the game in the most fair and conclusive way that is kind of universal. Because I can tell you for one, refs in every state are different. But the other night what we saw, and it's one of the complaints that a lot of the guys had was just 
the inconsistency in what the refs are bringing to the table. So I just think that that is something that is just as important as getting kids involved in growing the sport, but just getting more refs, more refs who really care about lacrosse, who really understand the fundamentals of what is happening on the field and where it is appropriate to make calls and how it's appropriate to make calls. And don't just try and take control and make the game about them because when that happens, it drives kids away and it almost shrinks the game. And you know, that's not, that's not, that's not cool guys. And that's not what you want. So, I mean, I've obviously gone on enough rants this weekend about different things and ways to approach the growth of lacrosse, whether it be on my one vlog where I called someone out, or just this idea that I think that refs need to play a much larger role in growing the game and being educated, just so that it's fair. I mean, an unfair lacrosse game is no fun for anybody, and I just don't want to see it turn away a kid at any given point. But this weekend fired me up, guys. I had so much fun. Holy crap. It was a lot of travel, but so worth it in the end because, I mean, just to see the electrics, the electricity. God, I'm so bad at words sometimes. The electricity just coming out of these kids as they were scoring goals and having fun with their buds on the sidelines. And it just brings you back to the times that you got to play lacrosse or any sport, honestly, with your buds and joke around and have a good time with it because. At the end of the day, sports are sports, and they're a good time, and you're supposed to have fun with them. But that is all I have for you guys today. It, that conversation was such a good one. I'm so thrilled that I get to share it with you. So, as always, if you haven't already, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on whatever platform you listen to podcasts, and then subscribing to my YouTube channel because I am doing daily vlogs again. And today's is a pretty good one. I mean, I cleaned out my car. I built a little something onto the desk. You guys are going to have just one hell of a day for Herm content. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you each and every one of you. God, I'm so bad at words. Sorry. It's getting a little late here, but if you haven't already, shoot me a DM. Do you want to come on the show? We'll make it happen. I really just can't wait to keep expanding these conversations and see what kind of great stories we get out of them. So thank you. And as always, until next week, stay grooving. Like, feeling like a million, really put in that work. Damn, this job got a whole lot of purse. Put my ass up on the stage, get the whole club turn. Uh, I guess I just got it like that. About damn time I've been plotting like that. Probable all in a pocket like that. Please don't get in my way, you can't stop me like that. Uh.